to the 33rd episode of Kiwi and the Bird, Book Nerds in Session. I'm Taylor. I'm Kami. And in this episode, we are going to go into an in-depth discussion about the fast-paced and time-bending Only a Monster by Vanessa Len. This is really, really exciting, you guys, as we're going to be implementing a new format in this episode. We're going to try to fit all of our thoughts and feelings for Only a Monster in just one hour. If you know us, you know that's going to be really hard. <laughs> we talk a lot. <laughs> If you like this new format, let us know. And if you want to support our podcast, you're welcome to click on the link in the episode description. Now, as we discuss everything about Only a Monster, and I mean everything, here's your one and only spoiler alert. Kami, would you like to give us a spoiler alert sound effect? I forget. I have to do this every time. (laughs) With great power comes great responsibility. And now, on to the show. Okay, we're going to start things off with talking about the thing we're most excited about, which for us was the love triangle. Oh my gosh. I know a love triangle is so cliche. It's so overdone. But when it's done right, it's done right. It's good for a reason. Yeah. Why do you think so many people do it still? Because if you... It's enticing. Yes. It's contentious. It's... (laughs) It's it's enthralling. It's hot. Like Nick. Oh, yeah. So our three key players, of course, are Joan, Nick, and Aaron. Yes. All of all these people are very different. Yes. Different vibes going on. They play off differently off each other. I'm just going to get this out there now. Nick is hot, okay? <laughs> if you've read the book, if you haven't, just know he is hot. I'm not saying Aaron isn't a great option, but Nick has something about him. He he has a little bit of the whole, I'm a little bit mysterious, I'm a little bit of an enigma kind of thing going for him. Yes. With black hair and broad shoulders and a good jaw. Yes. And, you know, he's a hero. He's a good guy. You know he's a good guy, even though he does kill a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the, the dilemma, is that Nick, of course, is a monster slayer, and... Joan and Aaron are monsters themselves. Yes. But see, with Nick, I think what also just makes him so enticing is that he's a good guy, but he has conflict within himself. Yes. And you you love to see it, especially in a romantic yes. situation. He breaks his own rules because his rule is that any monster who has stolen time has to die because they're stealing life from humans in essence. And so because of that, Joan should be dead. But there are many situations where Joan and Nick come in connection with each other, and she lives. Every time. She lives every time. Yes. There's the diner scene, which I loved because it was in a public place. And so there's that feeling of, like, the tension of we can't let anyone else know what's going on. But then he wants to kill me. I want to kill him. That tension. Oh, love that. And he was holding her hands. And... (laughs) I know it was to make sure that she didn't hurt him, but I just like <laughs> that he was holding her hands. But it's also like he he like can't help himself. Yes. You know, like he wants to be in control, but his feelings are just like so overwhelming. Yes. And you see that especially in the monster court scene. Yes. You know, where they're all like kind of dressed up. You know, it's the monster court. You know, you gotta dress all fancy, you know. I you think Joan. Joan was in, like, this green backless dress, which in yes. my mind looks so pretty. Yes. Also, backless is always going to be hot. It is. It is. That's skin-to-skin contact. Yeah. Yeah. 
But there's this one scene, you know, where Nick comes in. And, you know, you know, you know Nick looks absolutely sexy in a tuxedo. Yeah. And not be a question. No, like, there's, like, there's something about his character where you're just like, yes. Like, one of his attributes is just looks good in a suit. Yes. That is one of his characteristics. <laughs> but, like, the scene where he, like, kind of, like, pushes her up against the wall. Again, yes. overused. But so good. Because they can't be caught. Mm -hmm. And they both want conflicting things. Yet here they are in this hall, knowing that they want to kill each other, but then they don't. They can't. Something is keeping them back from committing the deed. Of kissing each other or killing each other? Oh, The ultimate type of confliction. (laughs) Do I want to kiss you (laughs) or kill you? (laughs) Very enemies to lovers, but it's done really well. Yes. You know, and that's the whole thing with Joan. You know, she's always had a crush on him. On on Nick, and but now they're enemies, but then they still have this attraction. Yes. But on the other side, you know, you have Aaron. Yes. Who is, it's very Romeo and Juliet, where they're from rival families. You know, they're both monsters. But, like, Aaron knows a lot more about the world, of the monster world, than Joan does. Yes. And he's kind of the one that, like, sticks by her throughout the whole book because, well... Their families were kind of massacred and, you know. Reluctant allies. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. So it's a little bit, it's a, like I said, it's like enemies, but like reluctant allies. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, and there's there's a tension between them. Yes. I don't think you like Aaron as much, though. I don't like Aaron as much, but, I mean, okay, because because Nick is really hot. But I really like Aaron by himself as well. And I do like that he was there unexpectedly emotionally for Joan because there is the scene where of course after their families are killed Aaron helps Joan escape to another time and like you said he kind of gives her the ropes course on how to do things how to settle herself back in the world so that she doesn't actually accidentally die because she is time travels confusing not confusing but complicated and I loved, though, how she was like, we got to change the timeline. We're in the past now. We can do anything we that's needed to change the future. And he kind of lets her go along with it. He lets her write letters, and he lets her, you know, try to find her grandmother and things like that, even knowing that it's not going to change anything. And it's because he knows that she needed that. To be able to even recover slightly from what happened he was willing to be patient and to look after her during that time because she needed that to feel like she could do something. And the thing that makes that so great is that he's really pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> is that he's he's very much the, I'm from a rich family. Yes. I dress really nice. Like, I'm a kind of like a little spoiled rich boy kind of vibe. Yeah, I'm kind I'm condescending all the time. Yes. Yes, but like the, 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 the kind that's a little bit charming. Yes. <laughs> he's just enough, like, he's a jerk, but he's just enough not a jerk <laughs> to pass. <laughs> but then he has, like, that, that emotional support in him, right? And I think I also, the, the, the reason why I liked Aaron and Joan was I am a sucker for Romeo and Juliet, yes. okay? Forbidden romance. <sighs> it's a thing. But I think it's also that, you know, Joan isn't quite in his world. So it's like he can, Aaron can step back and kind of like think about his world. Yeah. You know, like Joan kind of like brings that out like, oh, like, why is this? Or like, let me show you the great things. Let me show you the bad things. It's kind of like looking at the foundations. Right. And even though Joan's from the Hunt family, you know, who's 
enemies with all of her family. Like, she doesn't, Joan doesn't know anything. Yeah, she didn't even know they were rivals. That no. there were rival families. So in a way, she's kind of like, she's part of Aaron's world, but she's also separated from it. Yes. And there's, there's a little tension with that. Yes, and I think he even has a line in the book where he's like, oh, you feel everything so rawly because you haven't become jaded because of time travel, because of losing people. You haven't experienced time truly. Therefore, you're kind of in this vulnerable, truly emotional state that he, it seemed like at least, hasn't felt in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, he has family drama that, you know, we don't know yet. Yes. And, like, we see we see Joan see Aaron be, be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Which is a, we love vulnerability. We love vulnerability. Especially pretentious cowards. <laughs> <laughs> because with Aaron, we kind of have two mysteries that aren't really solved in this book, interestingly enough. Aaron is disgraced from his family. We don't know why. And, and we'll speculate later in a different segment. But he also has this mom that he did seem deeply connected to, but was executed. Yes. And we don't know why. But I did get the sense, or maybe this was just me, that Aaron did was connected to his mom. And that I wonder if her banishment had something to do with his disgrace. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what makes the love triangle great is that, you know, you, you have these mysteries about the two love interests, you know, yes. why was, why is Aaron a disgrace in his family? Like, how did Nick become the hero? Who is, who is he really? Yes. That whole thing. But it's also like all these, you know, the, the moments between them. Yes. You know, between Nick and Joan and Aaron and Joan. And it's just, it's good. It's just it's so good. good. Yeah. Like, I want to see it. I'm like, who is she going to end up with? (laughs) I am curious. I got to know. But I have curiosity because I think I know who you like more. But just for confirmation, do you like Aaron or Nick more? I like Aaron more for one reason. Pretentiousness. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a sucker for pretentiousness. That is true. (laughs) I don't know what it is. But if a guy's like slightly pretentious. Yeah. Okay, he thinks he's a little bit of a know-it-all. Yeah. He's a tiny bit, like, a little rude, a little of a jerk. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's like that type is really attractive and it shouldn't be. <laughs> but besides that, um, at the end of the book, you know, as we discover, like, what happened to Nick and how he became a hero, um, we see kind of like, oh, wait, the timeline that they're in isn't, like, the original timeline. So... Like, it was the whole thing of, like, Nick and Joan kind of, like, being soulmates of how the timeline is trying to, like, bring them back together because that's how it was supposed to be. Yes. Kind of like soulmates. I hate the idea of soulmates. Yeah, you don't like soulmates. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that you're just, like, meant to be with someone. I very much think it's much more romantic to choose someone. Yeah. So just because of that, <laughs> I would choose Aaron in this instance. <laughs> because that's true. Aaron is the free choice. Mm-hmm. If Joan really wanted choice, she's not being forced to be with Aaron. Actually, the odds are kind of against them because they are rivals and because he does look down on her family. (laughs) And she seems way more attracted to Nick. She she does seem more attracted to Nick. I'm curious if if there was a sequel, if that would change. Um, But I don't mind soulmates. I think it kind of depends on how it's done Mm -hmm. because I do like when there's choice involved with soulmates where it's not kind of an inevitable thing. But also I do kind of like it when it's inevitable sometimes, (laughs) but you know, it kind of ends. Um, But I really liked how at the end of the story, 
that there was this idea of the hero, the hero's one weakness. Oh, and yeah. every story oh. is that he always oh. falls in love with a girl. In any mythology, there's always that one instance where the hero falls because he was trying to save someone he loved. And so I loved that idea with Joan because at the beginning of the story, her grandmother tells her, you're the only one who can defeat the hunter. And so there's kind of this idea of like, ooh, how's Joan going to do that? Is it going to be this secret power that she's displayed throughout the whole book? Or is it going to be like a weapon or something? No, she's just his vulnerability. Oh, yeah, that's so good. And that was really good. (laughs) And so I liked that idea of how kind of like the story writes itself. Like they're kind of a tragedy. No matter what, they can never really end up together but they still have that draw toward each other. Mm. Is that why you prefer Nick? Well, okay, also Nick is just, re- he just has something. There's just something about Nick where, and we said this in, re- in the recommendation, I think you said it, but that we don't know a lot about him. He is this mystery. We do get to know more about his origin story toward the end of the book, but even then it's still pretty, not vague, but we just don't get a lot of details. Mm-hmm. But I think it's not even just the mystery about Nick. I think there's just... This I think it's just because he's righteous. He's noble. When he was being turned into the hunter, they had to try to do it thousands and thousands of times because he was just such a good person that he, he wouldn't break for the longest time. And so the fact that he just wanted to be good and endured for so long, I don't know. I just felt like he's a good man. And I felt really endeared to him. And I felt bad. And I, I, I never felt like he was in the wrong interestingly enough, because he does do the bad in the book. Mm-hmm. But in his eyes, I understood. See, that's interesting. I mean, I, I get it. Honestly, I do. It, it's hard to choose between them. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Ruth, because, I mean, the pretentiousness, like, they have different <laughs> tensions. They're both enemies to lovers, but yes. they're different, and I love it. Yes. And I said it this in the recommendation. <laughs> um, but I think, what was I saying? I forgot. Oh no. oh, no. It was going to be good. I don't know. About him doing the bad? I don't remember. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's just okay. <laughs> but I do, at the si- like I said earlier, I do really like Aaron as well, though. Mm-hmm. I feel like Aaron's a little bit more sensitive than Nick and a little bit more emotionally open. And I think he has more of the circumstances to be emotionally open than Nick. But I did like seeing those peaks inside of him and how he is kind of, he can't help what he feels and he can't really hide it well. Nick can hide his emotions well. I don't think Aaron can as well. He's, his thoughts slip through. And at the end, he did let Joan go. And I love that so much. Yeah, it was really (laughs) sweet just because, he was like, if you reset the timeline, I'm never going to know you. This, All of this that just happened will not have happened. We're not going to be, I'm just going to become the guy that I was before. And so that was really sad too because they did go through this journey and they did learn so much about each other. And then to know that that is gone now, that that would have to be a relationship they rebuild, is sad. But also, I'm excited. Yes. Because, you know... Aaron kind of goes into this family power of his. That's kind of been, like, implied yes. throughout the book. So, like, with Aaron, it's like, oh, he's a disgrace to his family and everything. But it's also like, oh, what is the all-over family power? Yes. Because every 
monster family has this power. And Aaron's considered one of the most powerful ones. Yes. He has this ability to look into a monster's eyes and not only know what family they're from, but, like, what power they hold. Yes. And that's a really big secret. Yes. So not, not only that, so he's telling her this big secret, but he's telling it to her to protect her. Yeah, because he goes, in the future, even with me, don't look into my eyes mm-hmm. if you ever come into contact with an Oliver again. Oh. And it's just the, the, the progression of him being just, like, this really haughty, very much, like, I'm better than you guy to I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to give you one of my biggest secrets to protect you. Yeah. Huh. It was good. It was good. This love triangle was really well done. It really was. All, all the wounds have been reopened. Yeah. <laughs> but see the thing, like I love Aaron and I love all of that. Yes. But Nick has something to He him. has something to It's It's really hard to choose. It's so hard. I think this is, I, I think I'm very attracted to bad traits in men. <laughs> it's not a good thing. I know it's not. I was not expecting that. <laughs> Nick has a ruthlessness. He, yeah. And a one-track mind. Yes. That's so attractive for some reason. Yeah, he's driven. He's driven. He's determined. Yeah. Actually, the ruthlessness is hot. It's hot, but yeah. then he breaks it for Joan. Yes. I think that's what makes it even hotter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I feel that. It's, like I, like, I don't know. Like, maybe in the sequel, I'll change. Maybe I'll like Nick more. Who knows? What if I like Aaron in the sequel? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Now, let's let's talk about time-traveling mythology. There's a lot of time travel in this book, of course. It's kind of the crux of the book. It's what makes people monsters. What did you think about the time travel? We said this in the recommendation, but Vanessa Lynn does, really, does a really good job of making sure you know what time period you're in. Yes. But, I mean, the way she wrote the mythology as well made me wonder, like, oh, my gosh, like, how much time would you have to steal from people? Yes. To go back, it's like if you wanted to go back to dinosaurs, okay. <laughs> to any person who's looking forward to jumping there, you would have to steal a year of life from two. How long ago were dinosaurs? I don't know, a billion something, two billion. I don't know. I, I actually really don't. You would have to steal a year of life from every single person on the planet. Yep. yep. That's insane. That's insane. Would I do it? Maybe. You want to see a pterodactyl. I mean, I just want to, like, are fossils correct? <laughs> Is everything we know right or wrong? <laughs> Where are we hit with meteors? I've always wanted to go back to ancient Greece. Mm. Not to see the people. But to climb Mount Olympus. <laughs> <laughs> and be like, hey, why aren't you doing this? Hey, Zeus. <laughs> no, actually. <laughs> <laughs> You've been spotted. <laughs> this comes specifically from my favorite Disney movie, Hercules. <laughs> Where there's where he's singing, um, go the distance. Yes, and he climbs this tree, and he looks up at the night sky, and it looks beautiful. <laughs> oh, because there's no pollution. Yes. Oh, yeah, I get that. I, like, I want to see the stars. Exactly. I'd yeah. want to go back so far in time that I could look up at the night sky and it'd look like diamonds. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, you take all the time you want. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that 
time travel came with a cost because yes. usually you with time travel you're the one who causes the trouble and has to fix it. This one you have to consciously decide that you're going to take someone's someone's years of their life to time travel. And I also liked how you have to do it cleverly. So um I think near the beginning of the book Aaron takes Joan to one of the most popular spots in London. And he says, you have to t- steal time from tourists because if suddenly a bunch of people started dying at the same age or at the same time because you took too much from one area, that would be very strange and it'd catch people's attention. I like how monsters have to be clever with how they take time. Yes. And I also like, too, how I feel like with time travel, it's really common to kind of go into the popular decades, you know, 20s, 50s, 80s. I like that we went to the 90s yes, because it's something that isn't so far out there that we can understand what that would feel like, but then also something that still is out of our time. And so it's a fun little flashback to old styles and the Rachel haircut and these little time markers that we no longer have, but that we still know about. Yes. I was like, I was honestly surprised that we went into the 90s. Mm -hmm, Me too. And I was like, especially with like 90s trends coming back, I was like, this is a good. This is a good it one. circled back. <laughs> what I really liked about um, the whole time traveling thing with monsters is that they have a spot in every time where you can go and like kind of like shop for wherever time period you're gonna go to. Yes, that was so cool because that implies that there are cameras, <laughs> or there could be a camera in like oh I don't know sixteen ten. <laughs> Just to name a year. (laughs) (laughs) Jamestown? (laughs) Roanoke? I mean, I know there's like that little thing where it's like, it's a law where you can't have your phone, you know, or like have like advanced technology. Yeah. You have to exchange it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But just the fact that it it exists there. Yes. is crazy to think about. And I loved thinking about it. And I also thought that, like you said, just the organization of the time travel was really well done to think of because if you were a monster, you would want to have access and means to go to any time travel, sorry, any time period you'd want to. So you would need those little hubs so that you could equip yourself with whatever style or technology was necessary to go there. Mm-hmm. Like I want to get one of those ancient Greek dresses. Oh yeah. Yeah. I want to get the, the, the head dresses from ancient ancient egypt i want a carrier pigeon yeah <laughs> i don't know if you can get one of those at the <laughs> hubs but i try oh i want i want a 1700s dress with the corset is no. that 1700s no just the dress not the corset that sounds terrible oh <laughs> <laughs> i just it just it was a really really cool mythology and it's also just one that's that's very, very original. I think that Vanessa Lynn that just came up with this herself. Yeah, I, I'm assuming so, at least. Because it, it feels new and original mm-hmm. and unique. And she has, like, you know, the monster court where there's a king, you know, who's, like, this is his timeline kind yes. of thing and, like, his guards and everything. And so she also goes into kind of stopping time yes. in a little bit because – you know, Monster Court is set in just a space that has no time. Yes. Which sounds terrifying. <laughs> I'd be like, wait, what time is it? What time zone? <laughs> so that was really interesting to see. And it's also like how Joan d- destroyed the timeline. Yes. Like, that whole, th- oh, 
oh. sad. We'll go into it. Yes. But <laughs> just the fact that, like, she destroyed it, like, how, like, it, like, fixes, fixes itself. Like, the time is, like, kind of, like, a being. Yes. Like, kind of almost, like, sentient, but not. Yes. Like, that was also such an, like, a very intriguing thing. Um. <laughs> um. Oh, what was I going to say? Oh. I think this book came out at a really good time, too, because with all the Marvel themes going on, I think it even broadens our understanding of the timelines in this book. The fact that there is kind of that original timeline that everyone's trying to fix itself back to. I think that that idea pairs really well with what we're already understanding just in media and in general. So I felt like this was very much peak time for this book to be published. I also, that's true. That is, like, it has very much, like, multiverse vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Only a monster, no way home. <laughs> <laughs> I also liked that there are, like, certain families. Yes. And, like, I I always love the idea of, like, having all these families and, like, meeting every single different one. And, yes. Like, knowing, like, what they're about, like, what, what, what they, like, what their power is. Like, if they have certain clothing, like, you know, what's his face? Nathan. Is that his name? What's his Jamie? name? Jamie? His boyfriend. Tommy? Oh my gosh, Tom. It's <laughs> <laughs> like Nathan. Why did that come out? But his family, like how they can travel with pets. Like that's yes. their thing. Yes. Like, I love those things. Yeah, me too. Like, why do I watch the Bridge? Why do I watch Bridget? <laughs> it's because every family has their thing. Yeah. Every family has their own power and their own conflict too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd want to, I'd want to travel with my pets. You'd be good at that. I also like how each power too paired well with time. Yes. You know, how the Lou family, they remember everything. I mean, that's very handy concerning time travel. I also like how they were kind of the key to the multiverse theory in that they can remember the other timeline. Yes. That was a really cool idea. That was a very cool idea. It's also, I also love the fact that, like, oh, the Royal Archive. Yes. Right? And it was Jamie. Yes. Jamie Lou, because he can remember everything. Yes, it was a person, not a thing or a place. And it completely made sense. Yes. And you were like, oh, that's clever. And it was foreshadowed because we had already met his family at mm-hmm. that point. And it was just the thing that, like, oh, it's time, so, like, they could have taken him out of time. Yes. To do it. Like, it just worked. It worked. It worked. It worked. And I was like... That's cool. Well, and also, it felt distinct. It felt within itself. Like, when you're in this world, you're in this world. Mm -hmm. And you're not really thinking of anything else because you're so enveloped. You are. Like, when you get into this book, you get into this book. Like, this is the first book in a while that I've actually been, like, wanting to, like, continue to read. Yes. It really fit the feeling my shelf rating. Yes. Um, It was fun too because while we were reading Kami and I were speculating about Joan's power right mm-hmm. and and Kami's the genius because I was like does she have the power to turn things to ore <laughs> <laughs> but Kami you predicted that she had the power to steal time from things yes to revert them back to like kind of the reverse power um, I thought that was a really cool power too. When I ultimately figured out what it was <laughs> <laughs> and how important it actually was, yeah, I thought I think I thought that she was able to take things from time, just from objects too. Yeah, which I was like, that would be a really 
you equal power to have, especially in this world. Yes. Oh, my goodness. You could do so many things with that. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing about this mythology is it does make you wonder, which is exactly what you want about a world. Yes. You want to have that intrigue because it helps you stay in it and with it. Mm-hmm. Why does that sound like a cheerleader chat? In it and with it. Woo! Woo! High school. Let's go. Yeah. Pom-poms. <laughs> Next, we have side characters. Bernie made me so sad. (laughs) You wanted him to live. I I don't. Here's the thing. Bernie's hardly in this story. (laughs) I swear. He has like three lines. Okay. At first, I thought Bernie was a girl. (laughs) I had to reread things. But for some reason, I was so endeared by Bernie. Yeah. I don't, like, I, I really can't pinpoint why. <laughs> but you had a deep connection. <laughs> I had a deep connection with Bernie. And I wanted, like, we see a lot of Ruth in this story. Yes. And I was like, well, where's Bernie? <laughs> <laughs> Bring him back. <laughs> and, like, when, the thing about this book is that it's really, really fast-paced, right? And so, right there in the beginning, you know, Jones family gets massacred by Nick. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And his helpers. Yes. And the first person I thought of, and I was like, Joan's family. Bernie. <laughs> Bernie. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. Ruth and Grant are still technically alive. Yes. We can, we can do this. We can, we, we can be there. No. No. Bernie dies. <laughs> and then is, is barely mentioned again. <laughs> I'm so Justice sad for Bernie. <laughs> I'm so sad. Um, one of my favorite parts in the story was, of course, the night that you know, the the families are killed, it's kind of left open-ended if Ruth survived or not. We notice that she got stabbed, and then I think we see her falling out of the window, if I remember correctly. I, I think she, like, fell from the view of the window. Oh, yeah. Or some, something with the window. She escapes. Yes. And I love that she comes back into the story and Joan is so happy, but that she notices that this Ruth is different. And ultimately it's revealed. Ruth goes, hey, that event happened for you last night. But for me, it's been two years. That was a revelation that I was not prepared to have. And it made me super sad because she had to live with the sadness of her family being dead for two years, not knowing that anyone else had survived. And that's that's a burden. It is a burden. It's an emotional burden. It also, I think it also cemented, you know, the time travel. Like, I had to live through this to find you. Yes. Like, I couldn't just steal time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I had to, like, sit down and, like, figure things out to come find you. But for you, it's only been 24 hours. That time isn't the solution for everything, not in the way that we think. Mm-hmm. It still takes a lot of grit. Yes. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I actually thought in the story that Ruth would maybe turn out to be bad. I, I got those vibes. Because she was mentioning how she's visited every single archive from each family and how the records have been changed. There's no mention of the massacre. And I thought, oh, what if this is being mentioned because she's the one who leaves them changed. She's the one changing them. But then in the end, she turns out to be good. I'm like, okay, that's nice. No betrayal. <laughs> you, know, you don't like betrayal. No, I don't like betrayal. <laughs> betrayal hurts. <laughs> But I think, yeah, Ruth Ruth is a good addition because, you know, we get, like, the monster information from Aaron. You know, we get him from, like, the Oliver side. Yes. But then we get more information from Ruth. 
you know, from the Hunt family, from Joan's family. Yes. So it was nice to see both ends, and it was also just nice to see Ruth fight with Aaron. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's where you really felt the rivalry. Because with Aaron, he's like, oh, I hate your family. And Joan's like, why? And he's like, well, because. But then with Ruth, you kind of get why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, you guys are thieves. And she's like, and then Ruth's like, yeah, you guys are snooty as hell. <laughs> I'd rather be a thief than be a jerk. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it's just, it's fun to see their little dynamic. Yeah. And then at the end, how they kind of came together as those rival best friends. Yeah. It was, it was enemies to friends. Enemies to friends. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. I also liked, too, how one of Joan's hopes throughout the story is that she can contact her grandma and get help from her when she was younger before she dies. And so there's kind of that prospect that, ooh, maybe Gran is the solution to this issue. But I liked that Gran wasn't. She wasn't. She, she was, was kind of a jerk. Dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of instantly turned on Joan. Joan's like, hey, I'm your granddaughter. I need your help. You told me these secrets. Da, 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 da. And her grandma's straight up like, okay, hey, guys, um, she has a power, you know, and she just instantly <laughs> turns on her. And, I th- yeah, I think that was interesting to see because, you know, Gran, when she's dying, like, Joan's grandmother, like, the grandmother that she knows is, like, don't trust anyone. Like, yes. literally, like, do not trust anyone. Yes. And that included herself. Yeah. You don't realize in that moment until she tells younger Gran that that warning really meant everyone. Yes. Yeah. And I, I liked it. I liked it, too. It was nice. Because... I liked that it wasn't an easy solution, that it wasn't a matter of convenience. That actually turned out to be a matter of inconvenience because that put more danger on Joan. But also, at the end, when we learned about Tom and Jamie's relationship, (gasps) it really made me sad because I felt like you could really feel the emotional longing of when Tom has to go see Jamie because they travel back in time. But it's at the point where Jamie doesn't know Tom. He didn't know that they were together and that they were married and that... Were, were they married or just engaged? I think they were just engaged in that timeline. Oh, that's even sadder. That they were <laughs> engaged and, and and that he recognizes him, Tom recognizes Jamie, but Jamie doesn't recognize Tom. Oh, time. Oh, oh time. Continuity. Oh, it was so painful. But it's also when, when you first meet Tom, you're assuming that he's just wanting something from Joan, you know? He just, like, wants to get more money. He just wants, you know, to get something valuable or to get information. That'll be a benefit to him. Yes. But, like, Tom is only doing this because of Jamie. Yeah, for someone else. And, you know, he he even does, he even kind of, like, turns on Joan a little bit. Yeah. You know, when he wants, like, his little message. That Jamie left. Yes, the little message that Jamie left. Um. So there's that kind of, like, ten- contentious moment where you're like, oh, like, can Joan trust Tom and everything? Yes. Or what's Tom going to do? Yes. Yes. But he does, he, he's literally just doing it all for Jamie. Yeah. It's not malicious. And even with Joan, when he could have overpowered her, he didn't. Mm-hmm. Because he's not a bad guy. He just wanted to save Jamie. But he was too late. He was too late. That and was so sad. It's so sad because as a time traveler, you feel like you could never be late. That's the whole point of time travel. But I did like that there was that juxtaposition of they chose the timeline and yet they were still too late. I would just really liked Jamie. Yes. I liked his place in the story a Me lot. Me too. 
I mean, yes, with the whole royal archive thing, but I also just really like that he's from the Lou family. Yes. Like, there was just something about, like, them going to the Lou's and, like, them mentioning Jamie, right? And, like, like, seeing his paintings. Yeah, my son. And it, but then him, like, you don't really expect him to have that big of an impact on the story. You think, oh, this is just, like, a mention. This is just, like, for, oh, yeah, this is just, like, the families in this time-traveling mythology. You know? Yeah. He's just part of the monster families. Mm-hmm. But then he does have an impact on the story. Yeah. It's a pretty big one, in fact. Yeah. And he just seems really sweet. And he seems really brave. Yeah. And he likes heroes, even though he's a monster. Yeah, like he had a fascination with the hero myth, and he was so curious about it. It's his knowledge that gave us the answers at the end of the story, but it's also his knowledge that imprisoned him as well. Oh, poor Jamie. Poor Jamie. He and t- but it's gonna, it's nice because they they in the other timeline they're married. Yes, and at the end they do get that happy ending. I liked how Jamie. As was already stated with the Lou family, he remembers the other timeline. Vaguely, yes. Yeah. And yes. so then Joan kind of has an alley in him, or at least someone to share the pain of everyone else forgetting that time but her. Oh, that's sad, being yeah. left alone with that knowledge. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's, of course, it's amazing to have your family back, but also you knew what it was like to have them gone. And that doesn't leave, man. No, that does not. Speaking of family, though, I thought we, like, we meet the Oliver family in the beginning, right? Yes. But then they're massacred. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. They didn't even stand a chance against Nick. And so you think that you're really going to, like, understand the Oliver family and really, like, get to know, like, especially, like, the patriarch, right? Like, yeah. Aaron's father and his uncles and everything. You think, oh, they're going to play such an important part to the story. And then they're killed. Yes. And so then you're, like, you're kind of, like, it's a jarring yes. a little bit. Um, but see, the thing with time travel is like that thing with like Gran, right? Even though she died, you know, they saw the younger version of her. Yes. So with Aaron, you know, he saw, he sees his father at Monster Court. Which, I mean, had to be hard for him because one, he like, he's a disappointment to his father, but it's also yes. his father who like just died. Yeah. So it's like weird seeing him. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, how does this happen? Oh wait, time travel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time is the answer to everything. And so I think. I was very interested in Aaron's father. Yes. Because, like, why did he marry Aaron's mother? And why was she a disgrace? Yes. Why is Aaron a disgrace? Mm -hmm. Like, but why is he relying so much on Aaron? And why does he keep him around? And like you said, when we first meet the Olivers, I actually thought that maybe they'd kidnap Joan. And then we'd have kind of like a prisoner, like, relationship between Joan and Aaron and Mm -hmm. something like that. I liked, though, that they were killed. Well, not that they were killed, sorry. <laughs> but that, that subverted my expectations, where my mind was going. It, I feel like the story always surprised me, but not in a way that felt unpredictable, but um, was entertaining. Yes. I'm very interested in the All Arbor family, and I think the Aaron's father very much played a part in it. Yes. Especially with the whole, with the whole I died thing yeah I, i'm dead <laughs> r.i.p me <laughs> let's talk about the massacre i mean we already have but it's fine <laughs> <laughs> let's get deeper into the inciting incident though well it's just you literally don't expect it yes it's so early on in the book yes it's after this moment you know there are a lot of just revelations that happen in yes. that scene <laughs> Because, you know, Joan has just figured out that she's a monster. She goes to Nick for comfort. 
And she's like, oh, but he's, like, human and everything. Like, I can't involve him. About, like, I have to protect him kind of thing. And then they ha- they spend oh, their after hours in the museum. Yes. Just together, you know, in a place of history that they both like and everything, which is really, really cute, honestly. It is really cute. And then, you know, they're, they're teenagers. They like each other. You know, they're just, they're in close quarters together, mm-hmm. and then a kiss happens, and you're mm-hmm. like, what? <laughs> what? And then people intrude into the house. Yes. It's all of her family, and Nick and Joan kind of get taken. Yes, and then Nick is knocked out. He is knocked out. Yes. And then Joan's like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? How am I gonna, supposed to protect him? Like, this whole thing, she discovers she's only half monster. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, she already knew, but it's like... That's like impure. Yeah, the Aaron's are like Ugh, blood, blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Oliver's were very much like the Malfoys. <laughs> actually, Aaron did kind of remind me of Draco Malfoy. <laughs> <laughs> the fan, the fan version. Yes, of yes. Draco. Yes. Um, but then we discover that Nick is a monster hunter because he kind of stabs Aaron's father. Yeah, he he's suddenly conscious and he's like, whoa, boom! And, and Joan's like, whoa! You okay? He's like, I didn't think they'd knock me out. My B. <laughs> there's, I mean, like I said, there's so many revelations. One, you know, like, Joan's in trouble, so then Nick kills that person. Yes. And she's like, what? Kind of hot, but <laughs> Odin. But, like, she discovers who Nick is, but then Nick discovers what Joan is. Yes. And he's like, "You're a monster too. Like, do you like do you take time?" Yeah. And she's like, "Well, I just like recently discovered this. It was an accident." <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is where we first meet Aaron. You know, and just like the whole scene was just like, boom, 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 things happening. Yes. And then you're just kind of like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, it's it's not written in a way where you get confused. Yeah, that's the interesting part is that a lot of things do happen, but you're still able to keep with it. Yes. And you're just kind of like. On the edge of your seat, like, what's going to happen next? Like, I can't, I can't expect it. Yes. Anything could happen Anything at this happen. point. I like, though, how, again, Vanessa Lynn didn't go the usual route. Because the usual route would be Nick misunderstanding Joan and going, hey, you're a part of them. You set up this trap for me. You, you know, kind of that scenario. But I like that, how he goes, I know you were fighting for me. You thought I was human. You were trying to protect me. You thought I was innocent. Therefore, I'm not going to kill you. But if you ever take time from a human again... You're dead. <laughs> I will not hesitate. Yeah. And I was like, but you will. Oh. And you did. Multiple times. <laughs> and I also like how, again, that Aaron was a coward. There was a time where Joan kind of reached out to him and said, hey, please help me. You know, your family's going to kill me. and You're just going to stand by and watch. And he's like, yep, peace. <laughs> well, he's like, nope, I'm not going to stand by. I'm going to leave. And so he goes away. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, it's kind of endearing that Aaron is a coward. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also like the the setting for this moment, too. The fact that it is this old house, that it is the Oliver's house, that this is just the modern iteration. But that when the chaos happens, that there is that sense of getting lost in this mansion while you're running for your life because you know the rooms, but you're in an adrenaline-filled panic. And then you're outside and you're in the maze. You're trying to escape. Like, I like that the setting added to that urgency. I also like the little things that Vanessa Lynn did because, you know, we discover Nick is a monster hunter and Joan is, well, we already knew that she was a monster. But then, you know, Joan 
starts to text Ruth, like, yes. come help me, you know, before she figures things out about Nick. Yes. And Nick goes and, like, calls his people before he knows what Joan is. Mm-hmm. And so both of those, they both send out for help. Yes. But that's exactly what ruins it. Yeah. Joan reaching out to her family condemned her family. Yes. She kind of subsequently killed her family. Mm-hmm. And then Nick, trying to protect Joan, doomed her. Yes. Yeah. It was kind of hot that he was like, you have to stay in this room so I can protect you. Yeah, okay, that was really sweet. <laughs> because because if his followers knew that he was protecting a monster, that would just be, would it make sense to be bad. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that, yeah, he was like, stay here, you know, this is going to be your only chance. But then she's like, no, I I have to go because I brought my family here. I brought them to this danger. And you're going to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, the boy I just kissed, is going to cause trouble. It was just, it, it was a really good scene, you know? Yes. There were plot twists. Yes. There was, there was suspense. There was knowledge. There was, like, this, this sense of, like, looming, not threat, but just, like, dread. Yes, because it really did feel like anything could happen. Mm-hmm. Also, with the scene, I accidentally spoiled it to Kami, <laughs> but but luckily you didn't catch on because I think I was like, oh yeah, and with the families in the beginning, oh so rough, and you're like, yeah, but there's no way the author would kill them in the beginning, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, no way, no way that would happen. I literally thought I was like, there's no way she's gonna kill them. Yeah, like, there's like, come on, like where's the story gonna go? She surprised me. Yeah. She really, really did. Yeah. It was, it was so surprising that the spoiler wasn't even spoiled. No, because <laughs> it happens at the beginning. Yeah. I swear, I, I think it's within the first, uh, like, 50 to 100, right? Yeah. Pages. I think it's like, yeah. Yeah. And then it's on the run. Joan goes into the hedge maze. She decides to help Aaron because he's cornered and he's a coward low-key, <laughs> <laughs> saves his life, and then they have to reluctantly team up, of course, and thus the rest of the story is set off. Yeah. And then, you know, Joan's, like, looking back and going, like, but what about Nick? Yeah, because they're – and it's hard because I think what's done really well is that Joan knows and recognizes and can't forgive that Dick killed her family. Even though she knows his past and his history and how he became who he is, she still can't forgive him for that. Which I did like because I felt like that was a subversion to what would usually... Because usually it's like, well, you did that, but you had to because you were made to be this. But it was in that case. She was like, I can't forgive you. And I liked how he goes, if I didn't kill your family, would you have ever taken time from a human again? And she goes, no, I wouldn't have. (laughs) I was like, oh... Yeah, I like that Joan did make excuses for Nick. Yeah. And it's also hard because it's like the hero creates the monster because Nick killed her family, so she took time. But then the monsters create the hero because, oh. like, that duality is it's, really it's painful. Great. It's yeah. great. <laughs> Story-wise, love it. Yeah, love it story-wise. Emotionally, I'm like, man, my heart. The ending kind of threw me. Yes. Because, you know, Joan takes time from herself when she's caught from Nick because she's half human. And I was like, loophole, clever. Loophole, but painful. <laughs> yes. Because she, like, screams in agony. Yeah. Rough. And then Nick's all like, Joan! No! <laughs> <laughs> okay, yours had so much pain in it. That was so good. <laughs> you know, and then she, she travels to a time where she, like, doesn't quite know where she is. She's yes. like, 
I'm in the Holland house, but I'm not in time or something or like some time that's like so far beyond that I don't know. Like it's just mm-hmm. very like uncertain. Yes, kind of like limbo esque. Mm-hmm. And then Nick comes in, but he's older. Yes, which I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was not expecting a hotter future Nick, but here we are. <laughs> and he comes, he's like, I've been searching for you. Oh. Right? Yeah. And you think, oh, this is like finally when it's like going to happen. when They're going to get together. Yeah. Because it's the whole thing of like, yeah, the timelines that we were in together in a timeline once. And the this timeline is trying to get us back together. Yes. And you you feel the tension of like, I do like you a lot. Yeah. But I, like, but you killed my family. <laughs> but you, and like, but they talk it out. Yes, you know, like Nick's like, you like you you know what happened to me. You know, like Joan Joan tells him like I saw what they did to you to make you a hero. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like, like what do you mean? And all those things. Yeah, kind of like discovers it for himself. Yes, that whole thing. She gets truth serumed, mm-hmm. and and he realizes that she really does know. Yes, it's I love truth serums so much. <laughs> There's just, like, so much tension between them, right? And then, oh, it's an older, hotter Nick. <laughs> but then, you know, they, they have, like, like, that embrace because Nick's like, I heard you scream, and I, I've had, I couldn't get out of my, get it out of my head. Yeah. He's like, I, like, I don't, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then they have their kiss. Mm-hmm. And Joan is the worst. <laughs> because she she takes Nick's time. Yep. But like in her power way. Yeah. Like her special power. She kind of reverts him. Yes. So that like he, he never becomes the hero. Yes. Oh. No, she she reverts the whole thing. She changes the entire timeline. Yes. So Nick never becomes what he is, but that means he never meets her. Yes. And so but that means her family's back. But it also means Aaron never met her. Mm-hmm. And so she's living this life, but she like she's the one who changed it. She's mm-hmm. the one that had that power. She's the only one that remembers. Yes. But then, <laughs> it's sad. I can't. It actually, when I read, because I believe it's the last chapter where she takes time from herself and screams, and then I think it's the epilogue after that, right? Am I remembering? Yes. Or. Is it where she sees Jamie? She's, I think that's the epilogue. Oh, okay. When she does see older Nick, it took me a second to realize that she had gone forward in time. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't know that that was a part of it. I didn't know. I didn't understand that. But I think the, this is my hypothesizing. It's not a word, but we're going to make it one. Is that that's a future Joan. That's a Joan we don't know because in that moment she mentions in her thoughts all the time that her and Aaron have had to steal. And I think it's implying events that could be in the sequel, but that seem like they're in this one. So I think that Joan is a different Joan. I think that's a future Joan that we don't know. The one in 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 the timeline that we were first introduced to or the one that she changes? I, ooh, that's a hard question. I would say in the one she changes that she had to become, so, okay, 
I think it's in the one she changes because she had to be that Joan to change the timeline. She had to reach the point where she could take, she could revert Nick in that way. So I think that's a Joan we don't know. Interesting. Because I was thinking, like, how is this going to go into, like, what are the events in the next book? Because, like, in the end, there's just still that, they kind of mentioned the lady that captured Jamie. Yes. And made him become the Royal Archive. And it kind of seems like she's going to be the bad guy. Because I think she's the same one who made Nick the hero, right? Yes, okay. that too. So we don't really know a lot about her. She's just kind of like mentioned briefly in the end. Yes. And so she's mentioned in the epilogue when Joan goes and talks to Jamie. Because she's the only one that even sort of remembers the other timeline. And so then you're like, oh, well, that'll probably be next, you know, because that's the ending of this one, so it's going to happen next. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I was wondering about that. Yeah, I think, I think with the ending, I think, because we went to an author panel with a few authors, and the mm-hmm. authors were mentioning that when they often write the first book, they don't know if it's going to get a sequel, so they do kind of have to finish it off just in case if they don't. So I don't know if this is a situation like that, where the ending was written this way so that there could be a sequel, but it could also be left here. I don't know, but I do hope it continues. Yes. Also, I just really liked that Jamie and Tom were together. Yeah. One. Like, I was like, you deserve that, Jamie. Yeah. yeah. You paint. Tom drinks beer. I don't know. Play with Frankie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can do that. Whatever. You do you. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is now... Whether or not there is a sequel, what do you think would happen in a sequel? I don't know what will happen. I honestly couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have your theory that you said that, you know, it's a Joan that we don't know. Yes. And, you know, I mentioned the lady, you know, who turns Nick into the hero and traps Jamie and all of that. But I do know what I want to see in the sequel. Ooh, what do you want to see? More love triangle, obviously. I mean, that's a given. That's a given. I want to see more of the monster families. Yes, I want to see that, too. Because I don't remember Tom's last name, but his family. <laughs> Hathaway's. Oh, like Anne Hathaway. That's literally how I remembered <laughs> it. I go, oh, Hathaway, like Anne Hathaway. <laughs> like we saw the Hathaways and the Lou's and the Hunts, and we saw a little bit of the Olivers. And there was even a lullaby that I think one of the Lou's recited that were all of the family yes. powers. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, I want to see more of the monster families, and I want to see more of their powers. Because I love, I love that stuff. Yes, yes. I love that. I also want to see more. I, I want to see what other time periods that Vanessa Lynn is going to yes. go into. Yeah, that would be fun. Like, I want her to go into, like, some rando one. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I would like that. 1525. There we go. That's mm-hmm. the year. Mm-hmm. And I want her to give me an aesthetic that I would like to, to, to be. <laughs> Even if it's 1525. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um... I want to know more, you know, about Aaron and yes. why he's disgraced. Yes. Like, where did Nick come from? Who are his parents? Does that matter? Yeah, true. Lots of questions. So, like like you mentioned, like I mentioned, I have my theory about if there was a sequel where it would go. I think the sequel would go into the gap in the years between the timeline in this book versus the future that Nick existed in and then was sucked dry in. Um, with the time reversion. 
So I think Joan would reconnect with Aaron and they would have to kind of become more monstrous in that they steal a lot of time from a lot of people. And there's kind of that whole thing again where it's them stealing time. Nick is on their heels, except now Nick has the desperation to see if Joan's okay. I don't even know if Nick would see Joan in the second book. I think he'd only hear about her. And that would confirm to him that she was alive. Therefore, he would continue hunting her, but not hunting to kill, hunting to see her. With the sequel, too, I had a feeling in this book, which this is only just my, like, this is just my predictions, but that Aaron was disgraced because of Joan. Oh. So I think in the second book, them reconnecting in that time period, having those years, however that would work, that he would be disgraced in the past because of her. Time, war, time bent. My mind hurts. <laughs> I'm Doctor Strange, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that the woman, the mysterious figure, who's kind of created all of these events, I think she would be the looming threat. She would have to be the person to beat. That the antagonist is no longer Nick necessarily, because he does take more of that position where he's not hunting to kill. He's hunting to save Jones. Okay, he may even like protect her on the side if he could. I think that figure would more so be that antagonist would fulfill the position that Nick had in this book. Mm. Because I think Joan has to have in the second book more of a turn, an antagonistic turn within herself that she would be able to revert Nick. So is that, do you think that's going to be her motivations? Because her motivation in this book was to save her family, which she did. Yes. I think her motivation in the second book would be to kill Nick. More so. That would take priority. So it never happens again. Not so it never happens again, but so that we could get to the end of this book. I think the end Uh. of this book is her motivation in the second book. Because the timelines are different. I think the second book would take place in the timeline leading up to the end of this book. Dang. But I could be so <laughs> off, you know, like this could be so inaccurate. But I think that's where the story would go. But like I said, that's just my prediction. You are, you like thought about this. I, I was, my mind was thinking and coordinating. <laughs> I was like, if I, if I wanted them to go to any year though, cause you mentioned like a decade, I think I'd want them to go to ones that people typically stray from. Like? You know, I feel like no one in time travel goes to, like, the Great Depression, right? Or, like, mm. oddball years, you know, like... 1525. 1525, or, like, 1893, because they're kind of, like, gap years where they don't have... It's not that they don't have anything significant, but they don't have anything that's popularly touched on. I see. Yeah. I think I want to see them, like, accidentally go to the future. Oh, that would be cool. Because this this one is focused a lot in the past. Yes. And, like, stealing time to go into the past. Yeah. But you can also steal time to go into the future. Maybe they'd go back and forth. Yes, something like that. Now we are going to be playing How Would You Survive? We have four minutes to pose four survival scenarios that pertain to only a monster. And we have to, of course, give our answers on how we would survive. So the first question is, if you had witnessed a monster massacre and you were a monster yourself, like Joan, how would you escape the hunter that is pursuing you and survive? Minute starts now. 
Hey, she's in the Holland house. You know what? what's in, ho- in, in those houses? Yes. Those really, really pointy sconces and candlesticks. <laughs> I go for one of those. I take it off the wall. I stab whoever I can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going ham with the candlesticks. <laughs> There's blood everywhere. I slip a little bit because blood's slippery. I run. I probably are going to get caught, let's be honest, because I don't run. <laughs> I, wouldn't pr- I, tr- I wouldn't try to steal time because I feel like I'd be an novice like Joan. Mm. And I'd be too scared to. I'd be like, sorry. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just pointy things. Something pointy. In the house. <laughs> you know, those aesthetics, though, they were pointy. So you just grab something, stab. <laughs> I think I would just straight up jump out a window and run and maybe get into a lake and just lay low. <laughs> <laughs> With like a little straw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Question number two. If you had to steal time from humans without drawing attention, how would you go about doing it that doesn't involve tourists like it does in the story? Here's your one minute. So how I would do it is that I'd go to a concert. Ooh. And one that's like a rave because then I could have an excuse to touch people. Be like, party on. Woo. Stealing time. And then I'd go to a disgusting party potty and I'd go back in time. This is an terrible answer. <laughs> I'm so ready for Especially it. Especially with certain things. I'd go to a hospital. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, dang. Okay. Because <laughs> like, how do I expect them to die there? <laughs> I was thinking old people home. Oh, my God. <laughs> Like, what if you took like an hour from them and then they die? Oh just like right then. Like that would attract attention. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's ruthless. <laughs> I like how there was reluctance, but not hesitation. <laughs> it's ter- you know what? Can I go with your answer? I'm gonna go to the concert too. <laughs> Okay, question number three. If you had to steal something from the infamous monster court, what would you do to get in and out safely? Figure out who's a high roller, okay? Okay. Who has status? Smart. Seduce him. (laughs) Okay. I'm in for it. (laughs) You have to be in for at least a week, okay? Because he doesn't like to waste time on, 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 on ladies, (laughs) <laughs> so it has to be short <laughs> but effective you get in with him okay hmm. you get him drunk <laughs> so he doesn't know when you leave <laughs> you know I think that would work mm-hmm. I think for me I'd send in a fake tip and I'd be like hey that valuable painting that means something really personal to the king that's about to get stolen this is how and when they're going to do it. Maybe I'd even set up a diversion. Then while everyone's freaking out over this painting, I'm in grabbing something more important. Ooh. My dignity. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the seduction. Seduction always works. And finally, for our last question, if you had to kill the boy you love, one, could you do it? And two, how would you do it? Yes, I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> I am a very distrusting person, so I will always have doubts in my mind. If that doubt is in any way confirmed, 
I can become as ruthless as possible. <laughs> However, since I still love him, I will still want to do it in like a secret way. That's so, fair. Yeah, you know, like poison him secretly. You know, and just like do the thing in the hundred where you like take a little knife and like stab them in the neck. So it's like a real quick death. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I think that would work. Could I kill the boy I love? Okay. Well, if he killed my family, then yeah. <laughs> like, I, I I couldn't forgive him for that. How would I do it, though? Hmm. Yeah, I think, like, you, I'd want to make it as painless as possible. But I wouldn't want to be cruel. Like, I couldn't, like, hug him and then be like, okay. You know, I couldn't do that. <laughs> um, I think I would do, like, an, injun- an injection or something. Uh, and then lay him down, maybe put a blanket over him, kiss on the cheek. My bad. And then just go. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all so much for joining us in today's in-depth discussion about Only a Monster by Vanessa Len. We hope that you will join us in our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed our content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the series and follow us on social media. On both Twitter and Instagram, we go by the handle at Kiwi and the Bird. And remember, like a library, at Kiwi and the Bird, shh, happens. happens.